This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day Church. Welcome again to our online experience of LifeGate Church. My name's Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate and I want to to say thank you to you for joining us, for being part of this today. The uh, question I have for you this morning is this. What sort of person do you want to be? What sort of person do you want to be? We're going to pray and then we're going to look at the book of Ephesians and answer this question. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that no matter what happens in this world, you are sovereign and you are Lord. Father, we thank you that we can trust you with our lives, with our families, with our finances, with our resources, with our jobs, with all of it. We can trust you with our all. And Father, as we come to your word today, we pray that you would speak to us as we look at this question, what sort of people do we want to be? God, may you speak to us about this. Open our ears and our hearts to hear from you. Anoint me, Lord, with this task of preaching your word. Help me to remember what I've prepared and help me to speak this clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, as a pastor for the last 12 years, I've had to do a number of funerals. Now, funerals aren't my favourite thing to do, but there is something that I do enjoy about funerals, and it's the eulogy. The uh, eulogy is the part of the service where a family member gets up and they retell the story of the deceased life. The person who's passed away, they retell the story of their life. And as I sit there and listen, I'm really fascinated by who they were, what they did, how they lived. And And I'm really interested as the family talks about who they were as a person. Were they loving? Were they kind? What influence did they have on the people, on, on their friends around them? And as I sit through these experiences and hear stories of other people, it leads me to reflect on my life. And it leads me to ask myself this question. What sort of person do I want to be? What sort of life am I living? Am I living? What sort of influence am I having on my family, on my friends, on the church that I lead, on my staff, on, on the people in my world? What sort of person am I being to them? And so the question I have for you this morning is, what sort of person do you want to become? What sort of person do you want to be? This is now our sixth week in our series on the book of Ephesians. And this is our last message as we get to the end of chapter three for a while. Later in the year, we'll come back to the, from from chapter four through to chapter six. And in these verses for today, from Ephesians three, from verse 14, Paul writes to his readers about the people that he wants them to be. And he writes it as a prayer. And what we see is that Paul prays that we would be two things. Number one, Jesus-centered. And the second thing Jesus prays that his people would be is that they would be people of love, that they would have Jesus as the center of their lives and that they would live a life of love. So let's now read the text. And, we will, and, we'll, and we'll look at these, these two things. Ephesians 3 from verse 14. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. A great passage, a great prayer. Let's now go back to verse 14 and look at this text. Paul starts this section with, for this reason. It's the same way he started this chapter in chapter 3, verse 1. And whenever we see for this reason, we have to look what's before it. And we go back to the section before it, and he says for this reason again in 3.1. So you have to go back even further. And we again land at chapter 2, where Paul talks about how the Jews, the descendants of Abraham, and the Gentiles, those who aren't descendants of Abraham, are now saved through Jesus. Because it's now through Jesus the Jews and Gentiles are saved, he then goes on and he prays his prayer. He prays, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And notice Paul describes God Father like Jesus did in the Lord's Prayer. He prays to his Father in heaven. And then he describes the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Here, Paul is saying that God is our creator, that he is the one who made us. He's the one who gave us our identity or derives its name. He's the one who gave us our identity. We're all from him. Therefore, he is the father of us all. And he writes this specifically to the Jews and the Gentiles, who, who I could imagine had some hostility because of their past. But he's saying here that God the Father is the father of all people, and which, which includes the Jews and the Gentiles. Then in verse 16, we read what Paul says here and his desire that Jesus would be the centre of our lives. This is what he writes in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, when you read this text, you might be thinking, Nathan, where did you get this Jesus-centered thing from? Well, let me explain to you what I believe this text means. In verse 16, Paul, he prays that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen me and you and his readers with power through his spirit in your inner being. How are we strengthened? Through God's power, through his spirit. This is referenced back to chapter 1 in verse 19 where, talk, where Paul talks about the power that is for us, the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. That same power is for us. And Paul prays here that that same power would strengthen us through the Spirit 
in our inner being. Why? Why does, why does Paul want us to be strengthened by the Spirit in our, in our inner being? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That we would be strengthened, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. You know, Christ is now seated at the right hand of God. So when Paul writes that Christ may dwell in our hearts, he's writing that Christ would dwell by his Spirit. Christ is in us by his Spirit. And that Christ may dwell in our, in, in our hearts through faith. Now this word dwell um, is, is a really interesting word. And it is the word in Greek, katakoyo, which means this word dwell, katakoyo, means to settle down somewhere. Meaning it's like a person moves to a new area, they buy a house or rent a house, they get furniture and they move in. They go to the local shops, they put their kids in the local schools, they build relationships with their neighbours and, and, and they make friends. They are settled in that area. That is the sort of dwelling that Paul uses here for Christ, that Christ would move in, that he would settle in, that he would transform our lives, he would stay the centre of our lives. Now, Paul could have used another Greek word for dwell. He could have used the word parakoyo, which is around the, the, the idea of a visitor who is passing through or like someone going on a holiday to a destination. They stay for a few weeks and then they return home. Paul didn't use that word. He didn't use that word for the word dwell as if Christ was going to pass through our hearts like Christ is a visitor in us. He didn't use that word. Rather, he used the word for dwell where Christ comes and takes permanent residency in our hearts. And his point is, is that Christ would be the centre of our lives for all our lives. We won't choose Christ sometimes where he'll become some temporary resident where we choose to honour him for, for some of the time and then other times we will, he'll, he'll move on and we will live our own way. No, Paul is saying that he wants Christ to be the centre, permanently residing in us, where he leads us, where he guides us, where he transforms us, where he does a renovation in our lives and that he would be the centre. Back in uh, 2005, Michelle and I were blessed to uh, purchase a house. I have a picture of it here. It was, it was a three-bedroom fibro house, and it was really great um, for the two of us. Michelle and I were living there. A couple of years later, Aiden turns up, and then Joel comes, and then Alicia comes, and this little three-bedroom house that was pretty small, and then being a pastor, having meetings in my home and having people over, it just became really small. So we started to talk about what are we going to do? Should we um, relocate, sell this house and buy another house? Should we do a renovation? Or should we do a knockdown rebuild? And it was, it was the, the best way to go from, from our perspective was to do, the, the, to, to do a knockdown rebuild because that was the best way to use our finance. So as, we, as the house was being knocked down and being rebuilt, we moved to my wife's parents' garage. Here's a picture of it. It was nine metres long and it was four metres wide. There's our bed, there's the kids' bunk beds, there's Alicia's bed, and just where I was taking the picture from is our little fridge. We had a little cabinet to put all our plates, and there was a sink. There was no toilet. The toilet was inside, and the shower was inside. We had to go inside for those things. But let me tell you, it was a really good experience. We were really close, and we hung out together, and it was a great time. But it was temporary, and we knew it was temporary for us. So we took the bare minimum to that garage and we put the rest of our um, stuff in storage. 
we didn't make a big deal to meet neighbours because we recognised that we were only temporary in that place. We didn't buy furniture for the, for the garage because, again, we were temporary. We didn't paint it or landscape where we were living because we were temporary. But when we moved out of that place and moved into our new house, well, we made that our place of residence, the place that was not temporary, but the place we were going to stay long term. The um, company Metricon did our house and did a great job, but I had to do the landscaping. And I, had a, and I have a picture here of before and after. This is a rotary hoe, me digging up the backyard. And I took a picture this morning of our, that, that's now what I did with the backyard. Lots of rain, lots of grass, lots of sunlight, and it's turned out pretty well. And the reason I show you that is because what we have here is, is me and my family dwelling in a place, putting our roots down deep, having kids in the local schools, going to the local shops, meeting my, my neighbours and putting on a street Christmas party every year because this is where we're permanently living and we have no desire to move on at the moment. God hasn't led us anywhere. We're staying as long as God calls us here. And the reason I tell you that story is because it's an example of the difference between living in the garage and moving into this house where we're going to dwell is, is a bit like Paul says about Jesus being either temporary or being a permanent dwelling within you. And Paul's point is that he doesn't want Jesus to be temporary where he comes and goes and you choose to follow him sometimes and not other times, where you choose to um, serve him some of your days but other days you choose to live in your own way. No, that's not what, what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that he wants Christ to be the centre of our lives, that Christ is to put down deep roots to dwell within us to transform us, to do a renovation like I did in the backyard, for Jesus to do a renovation in our lives, to change us, to move us, to direct us. And we live with him, with him being Jesus at the centre. So the question for you this morning around Jesus being the centre is this, what sort of person do you want to be? What sort of person do you want to be? My hope is that you want to have Jesus at your centre of your life. The second thing we see here um, in this passage is that Paul wants us to be people of love. And this is what he writes here from verse 17. He says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, there's some interesting things that Paul writes in this text. He says that he prays that we would be rooted. That's the idea of a tree with deep roots. And then he said, and established in love. That's like a foundation or foundations of a building or a cement slab for a new house that's being built. Paul is saying that our foundation, our platform in which we live, which we breathe, which as we go about life, our platform would be love. It would be our foundation. And then he says in verse 18 that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, this is a, a remarkable, remarkable scripture here. He says that we may have power, and we're going to talk about that, that, that a bit later, that we, have, that we may have power to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. That God will give us the ability to know this love, not just in our minds that we would know this love, that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. He says here, this love that surpasses knowledge, that it would be a, that we would know it deep in our hearts. And we talked about this as we talked through the um, letter of Ephesians. That Paul makes this distinction between what we know in our mind and what we know in our hearts. And Paul says that this love, not just to know it in our minds, but we will know it in our hearts, that it drives us, that it motivates us, that it, that it becomes part of the core of who we are. And as we know this love in our minds and in our hearts, and it starts to, it permeates, it, it moves through us, and it starts to change us so that we are then more loving. And then it says here at the end that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How do we become filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? How does that work? What does that mean? Well, what I believe Paul's saying here is as we understand love, as we know it here, that is, as it becomes the platform, as it becomes the motivator, as it becomes part of who we are and and as we're changed to become more and more loving, we become more and more like God because the Bible tells us that God is love. And as we become more and more loving, we become more and more like God. That's how we are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's our end goal. And we're on a journey of becoming more and more loving as we are desiring to be more and more like Him. It is a beautiful thing, this love. Now, before we go any further, when we talk about this idea of people of love, it's easy for us to have a view of, wow, that's soft, that's wussy. A person to love, Nathan, isn't that just a bit soft? And if you love, and if you watch those television shows um, that Married at First Sight or that other thing, Love Island, not that I watch them, but these shows where love, it's all about feelings and what people look like and emotions. When the Bible talks about love and when the Bible talks about God's love, it's not like that. It's not based on surface level stuff. It's not soft. It's not wussy. It's actually tough and strong and mighty. When the Bible talks about God's love, it talks about it as unconditional. No matter how we treat God, God loves us anyway. The Bible describes God as the God who pursues us with his love, that we can't run away from it. And when we do, he runs after us with his love. The Bible describes God's love as sacrificial, that God gives his best in order to love us. And God's love is other person-centered. He focuses on others. So when Paul writes that we're to be people of love, Let's follow the example of God who has, whose love is unconditional, whose love doesn't give up, his love is other person-centered, his love is sacrificial. And friends, the best picture of God's love is what we celebrated last weekend at Easter where we remembered Jesus' death for us. This isn't wussy. 
This isn't soft. This is strong. This is tough. This is mighty where God loved me and you sitting in your lounge room, sitting in front of your computer. God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. The Bible says that we've all rejected God. We're all far from God, but God loved us anyway. He pursued us. He chased us down and he sent his son to die on a cross so that our sin could be forgiven, that we could have relationship with God, that the relationship that was broken because of people's wrongdoing could be restored. And Jesus went through that death, the nails, the crown, the agony, the flogging. He did it for us, which is a demonstration of God's love. And as we talk about this love, this is how Paul wants us to live. This is how God wants us to live. He wants us to live a life of love, following the example of God who loves unconditionally, who is other person-centered. It's love that is sacrificial. It's love that doesn't give up. The question I have for you this morning is what sort of person do you want to be? I hope after you've heard this, you want to be a person of love. Jesus-centered, a person of love. As we get to the end of this text, Paul has these last two verses and they're really remarkable. And I really want you to keep listening here because this is such a good thing. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul loves to go on tangents and goes on asides. And if you left out the middle bit, you could just read this. Now to him be glory. Now to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Here, Paul again is praising God in this prayer. Like he did in Ephesians 1.3 where he starts with praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He starts with praise and that's the first 13, 14 verses of chapter 1. He's all about praising God for what he's done. And here he praises God for who he is that, and, that, and that God will be glorified in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, that God will be praised. And friends, as we understand God's love, that is our natural response to honour him, to praise him with words and in actions. But he also describes who this God is in verse 20. This God who is to be praised, who describes who he is. Now to him, here's the description, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The God who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to his work power, according to his power that is at work within us. You know, I asked you the question this morning, what sort of person do you want to be? What sort of person do you want to be? And you may look at your current reality and go, I'm this, I don't like it, I wish I was that. But then you go, well, how do I move from here to here? Or in this passage, Paul said that he wants his readers to be, um, to be described in two ways, that they would be Jesus-centered and that they would be people of love. And you may look at your life and go, 
I ain't that Jesus centered and I'm not that loving. I know that's what God wants from me. How do I move from here where I'm at to there where I'm Jesus centered and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm loving of people? How do I move from here to here? Well, friends, this verse gives us the answer. It says, The God who is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine, God is able to move you from where you are to the place where you want to be. How? According to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 1.19, the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is for us and is able to do the work within us. The thing that we can't that we think we can't do or we think that we can do, God is able to do it far greater than that. That he's able to move you from where you're at to where you want to be. And as we go back to those two ideas of being Jesus centered, it says here, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That God may strengthen you with power. It's his work. You want to be Jesus centered? God says that he's the one that does that. It's his power that makes Christ the center of your life. And you want to be a people of love? Again, that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and how wide and deep, that God may give you through his spirit the ability to move from here to here, that God may give you the ability for you to have Christ at the center dwelling in the heart, that God will give you the ability to be a person of love. How does that happen? By his power working in us, friends. It is a supernatural move of God. God wants to move us from here to here. And that happens, friends. We can do that through making our own choices. And the Bible in other places says, put on and choose this and clothe yourself with this. There are choices we need to make, but in this passage, Paul's prayer is that God will supernaturally move in his readers' lives, that God would do something unique, special, supernatural to move them so that Christ would be the centre of their lives and that they would be people of love. It is a remarkable thing. And if you want that this morning, if you want to move from here to here, if you want Jesus to be the centre of your life, if you want to be a person of love, my encouragement for you is to pursue God to ask him to move in your life by his spirit. He will powerfully move in your life, supernaturally move, so that you'll move from where you're at to the person he wants you to be. Be open. Be available. Pursue him. Get in places of worship where God is moving. Get people to pray for you. Get in his word that his word may speak. Sit in his presence and allow him to move in your life. And watch what he does. The question I have for you this morning is what sort of person do you want to be? In summary, a person who is Jesus-centered, Paul writes, and a person of love. And friends, this begins, this journey of having Jesus at your center, this journey of being a person of love begins when you commit your life to Jesus. Now, no doubt there's many people watching. I know the people in our church are inviting others to get online and you might be one of these people who are watching this. And I want to say thank you for watching. Thank you for being part of it. But if you want to have Jesus at the centre, if you want to be a person of love, it all starts by you coming to God and saying, God, I want you in my life. I recognise I've done the wrong thing. I want your forgiveness. 
I want to know your love and I want to follow you all the days of my life. If you want to do that, if you want to become a Christian, I'm going to pray a prayer and I encourage you to pray this prayer with me in your hearts and God will hear it. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you were serious, you've just become a Christian. And I want to say that is the most wonderful thing and we want to help you on that journey. You know, you can click um, the uh, prayer tab on the screen and you can put in a prayer request and tell us that you've prayed that prayer and, and I will personally call you and make contact with you and help you on the journey of following Jesus because it is the start of the most wonderful journey. Or go to our website, click on start here and, the, uh, and click on the tab new here and put in your details and we want to help you in this journey of following Jesus. And now I want to pray for everybody who's sitting listening to this. And I want to pray the prayer Paul prays for his readers over your life. We're going to pray to the Father and then I'm going to pray this passage, this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with your power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how high and wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to you, God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to your power that is, that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May Jesus be truly be the centre of your life. May you be more and more people of love. Friends, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for tuning in online. Thanks for writing in the chat box. We're now going to have morning tea. And in the chat box is going to be an ID for the Padstone morning tea, for the Preston's morning tea. I encourage you to go on Zoom to check out that. And I'd love you to discuss this question. What sort of person do you want to be? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of it. See you again next week. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.